You're listening to the British GT Fan Show. This show is for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, redistributed or used in any other form without permission. For more information about this, please visit our website www.bgtfshow.co.uk or contact us via our social media at bgtfshow. Hello and welcome to this episode of the British GT Fan Show, fuelled by TCF Sports Cars. We're bringing you all the latest on the 2021 Intelligent Money British GT Championship and more. Join us as we briefly review the season so far and take a look ahead as British GT takes its annual holiday to Spa-Francorchamps. British GT Fan Show is hosted by Sarah Smith, alongside resident British GT expert Nicholas Smith. Hello and welcome back to the British GT Fan Show. We've ended up having a bit of an absence, uh, purely through circumstance. Nick's been mega busy with his driving instructing and I ended up getting shingles, which on top of the chronic illness I've already got, meant quite a long period of proper rest and recuperation, which for the record, I have absolutely hated. Um, Add that to the tightly packed British GT schedule and it's been a bit of a perfect storm. But this week is spa. And of course, we couldn't let that go by without an episode. So it's going to be a little bit different to our usual banter as we haven't actually been around at the same time to record. Uh, So we've put something together and we'll be giving our take on the round so far. A look-see ahead to Spa and normal service will hopefully be resumed uh, after the race and we'll get a proper review out for you. So let's start off then uh, with Brands Hatch, which was the opening round of the season. There were some great moments throughout this race. Um, A couple that I've picked out, we've got uh, race by race entrant James Cottingham's debut performance, partnering Sander Hahn, was looking really good. He had really good first stint. Unfortunately, contact with Adam Ballon at Paddock Hill Bend uh, meant his race was over early, um, but a great debut performance from him. Dennis Lynn's stint was also a lesson in craftsmanship. A brilliant move on Yelma Berman through traffic and his eventual ending up just three tenths behind Johnny Adam uh, at the end of the race after closing the gap during the last laps. Um, but victory of Michael Igo and Phil Keane in the number 18 WPI Motorsport um, is the standout point here um i go had a trouble free stint he took the lead early on stayed out of trouble uh we didn't see that much of him during the race uh just because he was there doing his thing no drama um and then when phil Keane got in phil Keane did what phil Keane does um he extended the gap and took it home now in gt4 that race was a century motorsport one two in the end gus burton and will burns uh putting in a really good race. They took the top step of the podium uh, with their number 57 car coming in ahead of the sister car number nine with Chris Salkeld, Salkeld 
and Andrew Gordon Colebrook. Uh, now, Gus Burton had a brilliant overtake uh, around his teammate, no less, um, on the outside of Paddock Hill. Um, and that was brilliant to watch. We also had a great solid performance from James Kell and Jordan Collard in the Jensen Team Rocket RJN McLaren 570S, which saw them take the bottom rung of the podium. Now, things may have looked very different at the end of that race. Um, the season debut of the new Genetta G56 Assetto Motorsport uh, was out there. Um, unfortunately, Charlie Robertson was leading the pack. Um, they got a puncture quite late in the race, um, which was absolutely gutting to see because they were doing so well at that point and they ended up finishing fourth. Um, but and say it could have turned out very different had that not happened. So moving on to Silverstone next. And the 10th anniversary of the race saw a number of round-by-round entries joining the fun of the three-hour endurance race. Uh, It's interesting to point out that so far, all our rounds have been endurance rounds. We haven't had a sprint round yet. Um, So the big points have been up for grabs so far. Now, as I said, we saw a number of round-by-round entries uh, turning up, including a return for last year's GT4 Pro-Am champions, Mia Fluitt and Ewan Hankey, who've now graduated to GT3 and are racing selected rounds this season with Team Rocket RJN. Um, and that was their first appearance. We also saw a return for 2Cs Motorsport, who gave us a chance to see their stunning livery on their new Mercedes-AMG GT3 Evo. So we'll talk about 2Cs first because it was domination from start to finish for Hunter Abbott and Martin Kodrick in the 2Cs car and they drove an exceptional race. Um, Well deserved for them to take home the RAC trophy and also scoring their first win in the car. Inception Racing also made a welcome return but their race didn't go quite so well. Uh, They unfortunately retired following contact with the car gods by Sicily Motorsport GT4 car, uh, leaving them with some suspension damage and unfortunately having to withdraw. Now, we had a really close fought battle uh, between the two Barwell Lamborghinis for second place. And there were some quite close calls in that, with the two cars even banging wheels at Stoke Corner at one point. Uh, One of my personal highlights here watching uh, was the footage from the Barwell garage at that point. Now, Sandy Mitchell and Adam Ballon came out on top of that, um, which meant that they actually took the 37.5 points up for grabs in the race because 2Cs have been a round-by-round entry, uh, with sister car Dennis Lind and Leah Machitsky taking third. So that means that fourth place would obviously take third place points. Uh, Now, another round-by-round entry there was the TF Sport car uh, driven by Giacomo Petrobelli and Charlie Eastwood. They actually had a good race as well. They came in fourth, which means that third place points dropped down to fifth place finishes, which was the Ram Racing number six of Ian Loggy and Yelma Berman. Now in GT4, we saw the slightly delayed Newbridge Motorsports season debut with Matt Topham and Darren Turner making waves as they upset Century's podium hunt. Uh, Will Burns and Gus Burton led for a lot of the race, 
but uh, Silver Cup and success penalties proved to be their downfall. All they could do was watch from the pit lane as the Aston Martin of Darren Turner took the lead and he went on to eventually get the win. Uh, the stellar motorsport Audi of Richard Williams and Senna Fielding came in second place. They had a gamble on strategy uh, with early stops uh, for a longer stint in the middle and that paid off quite well for them. Uh, taking that second place and the Toyota Gazoo racing entry of John Ferguson and Scott McKenna had some impressive pace as well and they took third step on the podium. Now moving on to Donington which was our most recent race I'm almost glad that uh, I'm rounding up this race and that we don't have a full episode dedicated to it because I think I might have trouble keeping Nick in check. Um, I'm fairly sure I can get away with saying that and he will absolutely agree. Uh, To say it was incident-filled would be something of an understatement. Of 23 cars starting the race, seven were lost to retirements in the first half an hour as two safety cars were deployed. I believe the hashtag uh, Donington Derby came up, possibly. I was not tweeting the race. Uh, I was on data duty. Uh, But there were comparisons made. Uh, Now, the drama in the race can't take away from the standout of the entire weekend, um, which we'd be absolutely remiss to not talk about. And that was Team ABBA Racing. Now, they were forced to start from the back of the GT3 grid after a brake disc explosion in free practice to rule them out of qualifying. I've seen pictures of the recovered parts and... It looked nasty. Um, I was driving home at the time when Nick sent me the pictures and I was on the phone to someone else. Um, I'd stopped and literally just interrupted the the conversation I was having to go, oh my God. Uh, Now, Richard Neary pulled an absolutely blinding start in the race, moving from 10th on the grid to second before the first safety car was issued. So right up before that first corner. And he wasted no time in getting the lead after the second restart. Stayed out from the whole stint. Um, when Sam got into the car at changeover, the gap between him and the rest of the field simply just increased, which considering there had to have still been some sort of collateral damage with the car um, from what had happened the previous day, makes it all the more impressive that that was pulled off. Uh, now, the... Things of note in the race, Paddock Motorsport, uh, Martin Plowman and Kelvin Flesh's team who've taken over the running of their Bentley. They were showing some impressive pace uh, in the earlier part of the race. Uh, they got up to and held third for a while, um, eventually finishing seventh. Now, GT4 saw its own share of drama, leaving just five cars finishing the race. Several bouts of contact saw cars removed. Um, the Stella Motorsport Audi suffered an unrelated alternator issue which forced its withdrawal uh, which given its performance in the previous race was disappointing to say the least uh, it ended up being another century one too with the number 57 of Gus Burton and Will Burns taking the win with the number nine of Chris Salkeld and Andrew Gordon Colebrook uh, following up in second place Fox Motorsport took third place for their first overall podium of the season. A good drive from them, including a great recovery from Jamie Stanley after contact with Jake Giddens. Uh, Saw him move down towards the bottom of the pack. 
and then come back overtaking James Kell uh, to take third place. Now, overall in that race, there were 23 cars entered. We had 12 finishes, um, and that is all I'm going to say on that. Uh, but we'll move over to Nick now, who shared his thoughts so far. So for me, uh, looking at the the three rounds of the championship that have already taken place, it's been quite an interesting year, uh, not least because we've yet to have a sprint round of the championship. Usually we get the sprint rounds out of the way nice and early um, and then obviously get into the, the meat of the endurance championship later in the year. Um, but this uh, longer format start to the season has produced some quite interesting results. Um I have to say, standout for me, Century Motorsport in, in GT4. They've been amazingly, uh, amazingly um, fast. They've been pretty consistent as well. Uh, we're looking at two two wins for Will Burns and Gus Burton. Um, now, early on, I I didn't necessarily tip them as the faster of the two cars. I'm going to eat my words on that one. Uh, they've got two wins to their name. Um, it is important, of course, to note that the Chris Salkeld and Andrew Gordon Goldbrook car have two second places to their name as well. So it's not just one car that's uh, not just one car here that's that, that, that's performing. The team as a whole are performing incredibly well. Uh, when you have a situation where third in the championship is over 50 points off the lead just three rounds in this is this is pretty impressive we're talking the will burns gus burton car could not score points in in either of a sprint uh sprint race uh re- weekends races and still potentially be leading the championship uh if the third place car won them both um, it really is quite impressive. In the GT3 Championship, I've been saying it for a long time, um, and I'm going to continue to say it, the hidden gem of British motorsport is the Team ABBA Racing Car. And the way that they bounce back after adversity early on at Donington Park just proves it. I've been saying for the past year that Sam Neary is a force to be reckoned with in GT3 racing. Uh, the way he and his dad pulled off British GT's first father-son victory at Donington Park, again, just proves it. And the fact that they are doing so well, they are joint second in the championship, in, in the Drivers' Championship overall. They are only 15 points behind the championship leaders. Uh, th- th- this, this is a car to watch if they can continue to keep their luck. And again... Very important to note here that they're only 15 points behind the championship leaders and they didn't score in one round. So this is just just an amazing performance from a effectively a family a family run team with a family run car, the old car as well, not the new one. To me, the that effort has been the standout of the season uh so far. Now, I have been talking for quite a while now about a changing of the guard. Uh, Changing of the guard in GT4 happens pretty much every year. That's not a surprise. But 
I am seeing a changing of the guard coming in, in GT3. But you can't see it yet because Andrew Howard, Johnny Adam, Ian Loggie, Yelma Berman, these are names that I've been covering for my entire career in motorsport. Obviously, Andrew Howard and Johnny Adam have been in British GT, either paired up or together. Pretty much one of them has been in the, in the championship consistently for the past decade. Ian Loggie is a long-time serving name. And Yelma Berman, I mean, he was GT1 World Championship driver back in 2012 when I first saw the GT1 World Championship live. Sorry, when I second saw it live uh, when they were, when they raced at Donington Park with British GT. Um, so he was actually a World Championship contender some nine years ago. Uh, they are leading the championship at the moment. But then you look at the, the, the cards that are in, in second place, Adam Balance, Andy Mitchell, Richard Neary, Sam Neary. These are new names. Um, and then fourth place, Michael Ogo, uh, of course, is a fairly new name to motorsport when, when compared to names that have been serving for as long as Andrew, Johnny, Ian and Yelma. So... We're not quite at the point where, where youth is trumping experience, but we're not far off. Um, the rest of this season could be very interesting to watch in that regard. I'm going to put an early claim in for next year. Next year could be, uh, could be the young guns year. Hi, I'm Scott Malvern, and you're listening to the British GT Fan Show. To keep up to date, follow their social media at BGTF Show. So we've only got one real piece of news um, for this episode, and that's a change of class for the BMW number nine car, um, which is driven by Chris Salkeld and Andrew Gordon Colbrook. Now, both Century Motorsport BMW M4s will be competing in the silver class from Spa onwards. Uh, Chris Salkeld was a derogated bronze grading, um, and that's now been change to reflect his FIA silver status, meaning that uh, they move from being a Pro-Am entry to a Silver Cup entry. And they still stay second in the overall standings, and they're still going to have their success penalty for finishing runners-up at Donington, uh, but they will be competing as Silver Cup entrants now, meaning that they'll take the Silver Cup penalties and ballast and things like that. Um, so, moving on to the weekend's excitement of Spa, we've got a few bits of news um, and updates on teams. So, first up, let's talk about the extra entries that we have. So, Mia Fluitt and Ewan Hankey are back in this round in their Team Rocket RJ and McLaren number 21. Uh, they, of course, were at Silverstone last uh, we also have Leipert Motorsport, who will be making their first British GT appearance since 2012 uh, with Fidel Leib and Brendan Lech uh, doing driving duties there. And apologise if I've mispronounced those names. <laughs> we also have a GTC entry this weekend in the form of FF Courses Ferrari, which will feature Omar Jackson and Charlie Hollings. Uh, in the driving seat, and that's the only GTC entry this weekend. Now, with the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, uh, there is always going to be a lot of challenges 
for teams to even get to the circuit. And there are a few casualties of that uh, in the lineup, unfortunately. A variety of personal and logistical challenges, uh, we're told, have prevented Enduro Motorsport, Paddock Motorsport and Simon Green Motorsport from attending Spa um, in GT3. All three are expected to return to Snetterton, which is the next round after this. In GT4, neither Fox or Car Gods with Sicily Motorsports are able to attend as a result, again, of logistical considerations. And breaking this morning as I'm putting the podcast together, uh, we've also found out that the number two Team Rocket RJN car um, was damaged yesterday during testing and unfortunately won't be taking part during the weekend. So whilst it got here okay, it is no longer okay, which must be good for them. Uh, but hopefully the remaining cars for them will be able to to make up for that. We've also heard that Johnny Adam will not be taking part this weekend uh, due to self-isolating according to COVID-19 protocols, which means, of course, that Andrew Howard needs a new partner for the weekend. Uh, Ross Gunn will be replacing him. Uh, a bit of a repeat of a few years ago where... Johnny and Andrew were partnered up and ended with different points. Um, potentially that could happen again. We'll obviously see what happens during the race. We've also had a few challenges in the last week or so with the weather. Uh, it's been very, very hot and sultry here in the UK. Uh, but elsewhere, it's been a little bit more mixed. Uh, Nick's going to talk us through uh, some of the issues that's been experienced by the circuit and surrounding areas. Of course, talking about the circuit as Bar from Crochon, but at the moment we really do have to remember that twice in the past two months, the entire region has been infected rather badly by flooding events. Um, now, back in June, there was significant damage to the circuit infrastructure uh, and the rundown to Air Rouge had to be resurfaced after floodwaters actually took the surface of the road up. Um, more recently, there's been some some very distressing uh, flooding events affecting the Netherlands, Germany, and this particular area of Belgium, in which uh, a number of people lost their lives. Um, I think it's very important to, to note here that the circuit um, straight away made their facilities and resources available to the local area. Um, whilst they were dealing with the uh, situation themselves, they quite properly said that whilst our track is damaged, people's homes and their lives are in danger and, and we're going to help out where we can. So we need to salute the people that run the circuit for putting other people in front of themselves and for doing what they can to help out in a very difficult time. It does mean that a number of the roads around the circuit were significantly damaged. At one point, there was no access for heavy vehicles to the circuit as the main road had just it had been destroyed by the 
by the flooding events, um, by fallen trees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, we understand now that the there is now access to the venue, um, and that the entire SRO Speed Week is going to go ahead. Uh, so it's not just British GT, uh, British Formula Three, and support packages that are racing in in Belgium this weekend, but of course next weekend when we have the the total twenty four hours of Spa as well, uh, hopefully going ahead. Um, it's been quite a, an effort from the from the circuit and from the region uh, to sort out a, a very nasty situation uh, and to, to make these events able to go ahead. Um, but we really do want to pass our thoughts uh, and our prayers on to those that have been absolutely terribly affected by the flooding that has taken place. And, and we wish them all the luck and support in, in, in putting their lives back on track. Hi, I'm Nathan Freak, team owner of Century Motorsport, and you're listening to the British GT Fan Show. Find them across all social media at BGTF Show. Now, for each round of last year, we gave a circuit preview and we didn't get the chance to do that for the Spa circuit as we unfortunately had zero chance of that happening due to COVID-19. Uh, for those who are able to make the journey and just as a general thing we've resurrected that so that we can provide a preview and Nick's going to do that for us now. So the next round of the championship is obviously coming from Circuit de Spa-Francorchamps just outside Stavelot in Belgium. It falls to me to give you a rough guide to the jewel of the Ardennes that is the Circuit de Spa-Francorchamps. Now, anybody travelling from the UK is most likely going to be travelling between Dover and Calais, uh, which means then that you're going to want to get on the A16 at Calais, follow the A16, which is the E40. Uh, that's European Route 40 to the European Route E42. Uh, then get uh, on the, the Rue de Sartre, which is a local road, the N640 in Stavelot. Um, and follow the road and probably the signposts to the Rue du Circuit, uh, which is, comes to an end at the Hotel du Source, the Hotel de la Source, the named after the hairpin it is right next to, which is, of course, the first corner on the Circuit de Spa-Francorchamps. Once you get there, we usually give you an idea of Where's a good place to go and watch? So if you are lucky enough to be at the circuit, of course, take my jealousy as a given here because I'd love to go back there. Just um, unable to get the time this year, especially with restrictions. Um, once you're there, you've got a range of places you can view from. And the first thing that anybody ever told me about Spa, and it turned out to be true, is, of course, that doesn't matter where you are on the circuit, where you want to get to is uphill. So be prepared to do a lot of walking and a lot of climbing up hills. If you are in a situation where you don't have great mobility, uh, then sticks or, or canes could help. Or if you have some sort of powered conveyance, I really would recommend having it charged and ready. You can get pretty much anywhere on the circuit in, in a wheelchair or a mobility scooter, if that's important to you. Um, but you really are going to feel it if you try and do it without. I'm not in that situation. And the last time I visited circuit, the uh, Spa-Francorchamps, I was hanging after the first day and I was pretty much dead by three days in. It really is uh, quite a gruelling circuit to get around. 
in terms of places to view and if you are of the photographic type take photos from of course everybody's going to say to you at circuit to spa francochamps that the place that you really want to go is to the bottom of eau rouge and even if you're not of the photographic type i would recommend visiting the bottom of eau rouge um, just so that you can see for yourself the level of gradient change as you come down from the source through Eau Rouge and up to Radion. It's, it looks steep on the telly. It is even steeper in person. It has to be seen to be believed. Now, in terms of an actual viewing location, a good place to get photos, everybody wants to get the iconic shot from the bottom of Eau Rouge. Um, but it is a red zone except for the specific area that photographers stand in. So really to get that that photo you, you need to have a tabard you can get a very nice photo from the top of radion you can get slightly higher up the bank and you can shoot clean over the fence and catch the cars as they come through the compression at eau rouge and you get a very good uh, very good view of them as they come up to radion and the inevitable cars going wide etc the next place that I would really recommend that somebody goes to view if they are at circuit, the Spa Francorchamps, is either known as Speaker's Corner or Corner with no name. It is the sharp left-hander just after the Bruxelles hairpin going down to Pouin or Double Gauche at turn 12. You can get some fantastic views from up on the hill above the circuit, looking down on the cars, and then you can watch them all the way down the run into Double Gauche and, and, and part of the way through that corner as well. It really does, you, you get to know and feel the true mountainous elevation change that is uh, obviously Circuit de Spa-Francorchamps. A lot of the areas are quite difficult to get to um, whilst you are at the circuit because, I mean, I say, quite a lot of walking involved uh, from the entrance, etc. But if you're looking for a third place to go and, go and view from, the outside of the bus stop chicane, the final chicane at the end of the lap by Pitin, is always well worth a visit. It's one of the big overtaking points, as of course is Le Coombe the chicane at the end of the very long Kemmel Strait where cars are heading towards their top speed before trying to outbreak somebody into, into quite a tight chicane. So either of these two locations would give you a, a really good sense of how the cars are going, how they, they're producing their speed and, of course, how they're, how they're braking as well. But really, if you want to see Spa and do the true Spa experience, you haven't got to walk far from the gate because Eau Rouge and Radion is the iconic corner at the venue. In terms of places to eat and drink, we can't really help you out a whole lot. I've been to Spa once um, and, to be honest, spent most of my time eating at the hotel in Vervier um, because I was absolutely shattered by the end of the day. Now, if you do follow the road out to Vervier, it is signposted from just outside the circuit. There is quite a nice friterie, uh, which is um, a sort of French-Belgian um, takeout come kebab house type situation. Uh, it was there uh, when I was there back in 2016. Did some properly local junk food. So good comfort eating stuff. Um, and it was well presented, well priced and, and, and served fresh. So that's about the best that I can do for you there. Uh, of course, France and Belgium share a cuisine pretty much. So the cafe culture is quite high in that area. Um, also, the, the fresh bread from the from the bakers um, and the 
the fairly fresh uh, roasted meats, etc. You can nip down your local supermarket, your car for, or, or whatever you've got there, and put together with a baguette and just a few euros on the way into the circuit, you can put together a good picnic basket for the day. So in terms of eating, that's about the best I can do for you. So that wraps up this episode of the British GT Fan Show. Don't forget to check out our partners, TCS Sports Cars and the Checkered Flag for everything motorsport. And don't forget to subscribe to make sure you keep up to date with the British GT Fan Show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the British GT Fan Show. Remember, the show's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, redistributed or used in any other form without permission. For more information about this, please visit our website www.bgtfshow.co.uk or contact us via our social media at bgtfshow. British GT Fan Show is a Storm Vixen creative and RPS driven media production. To find out more, visit our website at www.bgtfshow.co.uk.